I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. is the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. Buckle your your seatbelt and prepare to learn how to legally make six figures investing in real estate with no money, no credit check, and nothing but a computer and internet connection. Learn how you too can begin generating buyers and sellers for free today and why you're only two calls away from making a $10,000 or more payday while never leaving the comfort of your home. And now, your host, the virtual real estate investor, Vincent Polisi. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Vincent coming to you live from beautiful, sunny, but hot and humid Orlando, Florida. Hope you guys are doing well. Just want to take a quick moment here and cover something that keeps coming up over and over and over again in the Facebook group, in my own uh, private groups with my JVPs, etc., and that is a massive, massive, massive misunderstanding of mortgages. So what are we talking about? Let me give you a little insight here. All, okay, as in every single one, all institutional mortgages are predicated and created out of fraud. Yeah, I know. Hard, hard to believe. I get it. Trust me. But that's only because you don't understand how things actually work. Now, this is another one of those topics where it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe. What I'm about to tell you is well-documented fact, not only legally, but factually. And if you take the time to do the due diligence and the research, you'll begin to understand that what I'm telling you is accurate. 99.9% .9 of the population does not know what it is that I'm about to share with you, nor do they understand how any of uh, these, these financial instruments actually operate in the, uh, the real scheme of things and what's actually going on behind the scenes when you're dealing with, uh, in this example, mortgages. We, we don't even get, we got into credit and all the other stuff in a different one. But <clears throat> for, this, for this example here, um, let me go into what we're referring to and explain it so that it makes sense. So what does that mean when I say all institutional mortgages are created and predicated based on fraud? What is an institutional mortgage? So let's define that first so everybody can understand. An institutional mortgage is going to be a mortgage created by an institution. This would be someone like a Bank of America, Wells Fargo, SunTrust Bank, uh, IndyMac, any of the other gigantic uh, Citibank, uh, whoever, all, all of the big gigantic banks that are out there, or any of the non-banks that are also institutional lenders who lend based on mortgages and then package and securitize those mortgages and convert them into what are called mortgage-backed securities, which are bonds. Okay, they, What they will do is they will take and put a bunch of these things together, and that becomes what's called a tranche. And then they securitize it. What does that mean? They're going to sell it on the secondary market to Wall Street, in other words, to bond investors, who then buy them based off of the anticipated payout of the blended interest rates and terms and risk inherent in 
whatever grade package it is that they are buying. So in other words, there is a calculated spread and a return based off of you know several hundred 30-year fixed-rate mortgages at 5.5%. They can anticipate exactly with fairly um, systematic efficiency and accuracy what the default rate is going to be, what the actual net profit over the overall tranche is going to be, and then they can sell the bonds based on that. And theoretically, what they want you to believe is that it is the securitization of mortgage-backed securities and being you know, uh, pushed through with Fannie Mae that creates the mortgage market and creates capital coming back into the system for new mortgages. Otherwise, the they want you to believe that the mortgage market would completely dry up very, very quickly because there would be no, no new funds coming in if they didn't do it this way. Because essentially what would happen is all banks uh, would eventually reach their limit of how much capital they had, and they would have no more lending capital, which is not accurate based on the current system either. But that's what we're talking about. We are talking about securitized mortgages okay, that are converted into mortgage-backed securities, which the largest majority of mortgages out there are. And so let's get into how and why they are created and predicated completely on fraud. And more importantly, why you don't owe the money. Okay. And that may, may, may not make sense either, but again, it's one of those things you just don't understand yet. So as we get into this, let's go ahead and cover what does the word mortgage mean? Anybody know? Mortgage, it literally means death pledge. And that's what you're hypothetically, theoretically making when you sign a mortgage. Okay. You're committing. Uh, to your death that you will continue to pay uh, as agreed. That is the pledge that you're making. That's where the word comes from. So it's not exactly a very pleasant, uh, pleasantly named instrument uh, when they put it into the French. Um, yeah, sounds a little more, a little more posh, I guess. But nonetheless, that's what it means. Death pledge. If they name it death pledge, you know, not too many people would actually sign them. But nonetheless, that's what it means. Okay, so. Here is what actually happens when you get an institutional mortgage, okay? First, let's cover one thing. So this, may, this will make sense because most people don't understand this. Banks do not have money. That sounds crazy, right? They don't have money. They don't have money. You guys probably don't understand that. The banks do not have money, all right? Number one. Number two... The quote-unquote money that they do have, they get from depositors. That's people that are going there, they put their money in a checking account, savings account, money market, uh, CDs, etc., whatever all the financial products are that they sell, um, where they lock your funds up. So as an example, on a CD, what are they doing? They, they get your money, they give you half a percent interest rate if you're lucky presently, and then they're going to lend your money out at 5, 6, 8, 10, 12, 20% whatever, for, you know, car loans, uh, credit card loans, credit card, uh, credit card lending, etc. And they, the spread they make, that's how they make their profit. Or let me rephrase, that's one of the ways that they make their profit in, con in uh, conventional lending, uh, conventional banking. Okay, but they don't have any money, they don't have like this big stockpile of money sitting there in the vault. Um, and let me explain to you how this whole thing functions. So, when you 
go to get a mortgage. The average person does not understand this. You, you, the person signing the note, okay, the promissory note, are the person that actually creates the quote-unquote money. I'm saying quote-unquote for a reason, which I'll explain here in a minute. You're the person that creates the money. Okay? The money came from you. It does not come from the bank. You created the money for the mortgage for the property. And how did you do that? And this goes back into how they're predicated on fraud because none of this stuff is explained to you when you do this. When you execute a note, the minute, the split second that that ink hits that paper, despite the fact that there is no chain or proof or seasoning of any payments associated with that piece of paper to provide some level of inherent value of the stream of chain of payments being made. Despite that fact, the split second that you have inked that promissory note, you just created something of value. You created what is called a negotiable instrument. Okay? A negotiable instrument. It is a security. And it has value immediately because it is a promise to repay a debt. Okay? So it becomes a negotiable instrument. It becomes a security. And what the bank then does through artifice and deception and not letting you know what's happening is thanks to the fraud known as fractional reserve lending, which is what all banks in the Federal Reserve operate under, the bank takes your promissory note and it gets booked as a ledger balance entry. What does that mean? Anybody know what that means? Basically what ends up happening is they're going to take your note and they're going to go on their little computer screen and they're going to go in and they're going to put in that they have a new, you know, $400,000 in new deposits in. That's a $400,000 note. Okay. Now, once they do that, here's what happens. Again, this is because of the fraud associated with the accounting and fractional reserve lending. Even though there's been no payment associated with that, even though there's, there's actual no actual legitimate inherent value, it's just a piece of paper that's been signed at this point. It gets booked as a deposit on their ledger balance entry. Now, what does that do? Well, now they've got your 400 grand, right? They're showing it as a deposit. Once they have a deposit, because remember, all of their money comes from deposits, from people like you, not from the bank. Once they have it booked as a deposit under fractional reserve lending, artificially out of thin air with nothing but a keystroke on your computer. Here, let me, I want you to hear, this is what happens. Hopefully you guys can hear this on the microphone. Ready? So you hear me tapping on the keyboard? All right, just like that, what happens is, they have now created nine times that amount in new, quote-unquote, money that they can then lend out 
at interest and make a profit off of. But they didn't tell you that, nor did they allow you to participate in the profit associated with the creation of the $3.6 million in money that they created out of thin air that they then went out and started getting interest off of. Wouldn't you have liked a piece of that? That would have been pretty cool, huh? They didn't tell you that. Now, to make matters worse, after they have done that, what then ends up happening is they take your mortgage, they take your buddy's mortgage, your next-door neighbor's mortgage, you know, a couple hundred other mortgages, and they package them all together into a tranche, like I said, and they quote-unquote securitize them. And they, they uh, basically will define value based on whatever the underwriting model is for that type of tranche, A paper, B paper, C paper, etc. And they will then sell that on the secondary market. And we're not even getting into the servicing yet, okay? I'm just talking about the actual, the, the moment that your mortgage is created, the moment that you sign that note, this is what's happening. So you execute the note through a ledger balance entry on a computer with keystrokes, tap, tap, tap. They now create nine times that amount in new money they lend out and make a profit of, of Okay. They collateralize the property that you are buying, okay, that they didn't lend any money on because they didn't have any money. You created the money. And then they securitize and sell your note on the secondary market and get, guess what? Even more money that comes in. Your loan quote-unquote, gets funded, you sign your papers, you're a happy new homeowner, you get your keys, you move on down the road, you start making your payments on a loan of money that you created, that was yours, okay? It was your money, but they didn't tell you that. So they lend you your own money that you created, charge you interest on it, And then in the event that you default, they've collateralized the property, right? But they take it to even greater extremes. And let me show you all the different, uh, for lack of a better term, protections that they have built into place to protect them, not you. And there really is nothing to protect them from because they don't have any skin in the game. They have no money invested. It's not their money to begin with. It's yours. But then they will require that you pay. And not, this is not always the case if you're below an 80% loan to value. But if you're above an 80% loan to value, they're going to require most of the time that you pay what's called MIP, mortgage insurance premium, if you have an FHA loan, or PMI, which is called private mortgage insurance in the event you have a conventional loan, it's not FHA. And that's designed to help you know, insulate and insure them in the event of a default by you. So they can make more money. So they pay, you get to pay for them to be insured against a default by you on a loan that was your money to begin with, okay? 
But, my friends, it gets even worse. They also will buy what is called a credit default swap or a collateralized debt obligation, otherwise known as a CDO, to further ensure their payoff in the event of a default. So let me explain to you how this works. And this is reality. This is not some figment of my imagination. You guys can look all this stuff up. You guys remember back in uh, 2008, the whole term too big to fail got coined. Who was too big to fail? Okay. Well, it wasn't all of the uh, investment banks because they let Lehman Brothers go down. And that was a whole, it's a whole nother level of fraud there with what they did with Lehman Brothers, which was even though illegal and criminal, um, probably not a bad thing given who Lehman Brothers was. But nonetheless, the company that was too big to fail was AIG. AIG, largest insurance provider in the world at that time, but they were also the largest insurance provider of, guess what? Credit default swaps. Why were they too big to fail? The reason they were too big to fail is because the Federal Reserve could not have a forensic audit done and made public of why AIG went under. The reason for that is because of these credit default swaps. Now, why was that an issue? The reason that was an issue is because in the event that they had to come out of their own coffers to pay off all the credit default swaps, it was going to connect the dots on the chain of fraud all the way back to the original mortgage. Okay, So here's what happens. You execute the promissory note. You create the money. The bank now has nine times more than that amount to lend out in new loans. You're making money over there. They collateralize your property. They're getting interest payments from you on your own money on the loan that you created. They sell and secure. They securitize the the, uh, note. Sell it on the secondary market, getting an additional profit stream there. Potentially sell off the servicing. Potentially get another stream of revenue there. They have all these insurance policies in place that you get to pay for. And for those of you who have ever been involved in a loan modification where you were in default on a mortgage. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard this over the years, where the bank will come or the lender, whoever it is, will come and tell you that they cannot consider your loan modification until you're at least 90 days down on the mortgage. You've got to miss three payments before they'll consider a loan modification. Anybody know why that is? Because on day 91 of the default, the credit default swap comes in and pays off the mortgage. So the bank 
is quote unquote made whole at that point in time. They have, they never have any financial loss anyway, but as it relates to that defaulted note, they have no financial loss. And then guess what they do? Then they still come after you in a foreclosure action to steal the property and in their mind, hopefully sell it at auction right then. And if not, it goes into their REO portfolio. REO stands for real estate owned. It is the foreclosure inventory that banks have. Their quote unquote dead assets that they've got on their books. So you create the money. They charge you interest for creating your own money and giving, supposedly giving it back to you. They charge you insurance to insure them in the event that you default. They get paid off if you do default. Then they still come and take the house anyway, despite the fact that the note has been paid off. But it gets worse. So if we go back to the reality of how things work, people have heard me say this before. Let's talk about the initial fraud in the mortgage itself. So I tell people this all the time, no money was ever lent to you, okay? This is well-documented fact, by the way. What do I mean by that? Well, you say, Vincent, yes, I hear you, but $400,000 went to the attorney and it paid for the house, and that's how I got the house. So they did loan me money. No, they did not. And there's two reasons why they didn't loan you any money. Reason number one is that there is no money in existence. There is no money by definition in existence. And keep in mind, we're talking about the actual law. Okay, so you guys need to go get a Black's Law Dictionary and start looking this stuff up. Okay, Constitution, law of the land, right, defines what money is and what it is not. We do not have money in any way, shape, or form in the current system run by the Federal Reserve. What you have is debt-based fiat currency. Funny money. It's like monopoly money. It's money printed out of thin air, has no value. Okay, It's collateralized by the slaves, their property, their lives, their income, uh, their taxes, etc. That's where the, the money comes from to pay the fake artificial national debt, quote-unquote, which is totally unnecessary. But it's all fake, okay? And nonetheless, it isn't money anyway. It is fiat currency. It's debt. It's no, that's why it says Federal Reserve note. It's a promise to repay. Okay? And that's what a, the Benjamins in your pocket are. It's not money, right? It's all collateralized by some other person, their life, their income, their labor, their property. You guys take a look at the serial numbers that are on there. They match the QCIP numbers on the back of an individual social security card because the slaves are collateral for the fake debt. So one day, if you take a look at the QCIP number on the back of your social security, card, social security card, it will match a serial number on an issuance of Federal Reserve notes. Okay, the issued 
upon your entrance into the system because you have worth. The paper currency does not. So there is no money in existence by definition. They couldn't have lent it to you because it does not exist in the system. What is money? Go back to the Constitution, gold and silver coin. Okay? Not binary ones and zeros on a computer screen. Not funny money paper, monopoly money that they print out that has no, no type of backing or inherent value at all. That's not money. So they couldn't have lent you any money, number one, because there is no money in existence in this system. And number two, under the law, and you need to look this up, for a loan to have been made, you personally, you, would have to have and take possession of the funds. But you never did that. When you got your mortgage, did they send you a wire to pay for the house? No, they did not. They never lent you any money by legal definition in any way, shape, or form. But the fraud goes even deeper. Okay. Once you've executed everything and the note has been created and they securitize it and they sell it off, you start making your payments, they then break the law once again. And what they will do, what they do do, is what is called bifurcation of the note and mortgage. What does that mean? Buy. Everybody understands the prefix buy. Buy means two. Bifurcation means they're going to split them into and separate them. Okay, so they separate the note and mortgage, which you cannot do and legally collect on the note, which is what they're going to try to do or actually do through the foreclosure process. The note and mortgage must stay together legally for them to have, theoretically in this system, a debt that they can collect on and therefore uh, foreclose on the collateral, which is your house. But they bifurcate the note and mortgage. They separate them. Why do they do that? Well, one of the biggest reasons why is because they are going to destroy the note. And why do they do that? Because the note on the back of it will show the chain of assignments from one lender or servicer or trust to the next. And basically what it is, is a laundry list identifying all of the criminal parties that are involved in the fraud. And they cannot allow that to be in existence because... It creates liability for every entity involved in the transaction. So they destroy the note. That's why if you've ever heard the, you know, the pro, uh, provide the note, proof up on the note doctrine, when people are getting foreclosed on, it's because they don't have it. They're trying to foreclose on a note that they don't even have. Okay? 
And the reason they don't have it is because they personally destroy it. The reason they destroy it is because it shows the chain of fraud. Okay? And they don't want that brought up into court. So it's important for you guys to understand this stuff because you know things are not always what they seem and what you're told by the TV as to how things actually function and operate. There is no money in existence. They didn't lend you any money because you never took possession of it. Okay, You have to take possession of it for there to actually be a loan from which they can collect. The money that they did, quote-unquote, theoretically lend to you, you created, but they didn't tell you that through artifice and fraud. They then bifurcate the note and mortgage, separating the two of them, which, again, illegal. They cannot do that and collect, but they do it anyway. They destroy the note, also illegal, but they do it anyway so they can cover up the fraud. And in the event that you end up in a, a foreclosure hearing with a judge, what they will do if you try to require them to provide the note that they don't have is they will submit a motion to the judge to allow them to artificially recreate the note. Now think about that for a second. Hey, judge, we don't have the note that we're required by law to have to foreclose on this person and steal their property from them. So what we'd like you to do, judge, since you work for the banks anyway, is to allow us to recreate that document so that we can then proceed with the foreclosure action. I mean, is that not beyond ridiculous? But that's what happens, and that's how people get railroaded in these foreclosures, because they don't understand what the law actually is and what's actually happening. And if you Google around, you'll hear all the conspiracy theories about, you know, uh, making them proof up on the note and all that stuff and how it's knocked down by judges. Why is that? Even though it's the law, because a ton of the judges are, are completely corrupt. They're attorneys. Come on. Right? These guys are, are not some bastion of propriety or honesty or integrity. And it's not to say that they're all 100% bad, but the largest majority of them are working for the banks. That's what the whole system is set up for. The Uniform Commercial Code, Maritime Admiralty Law, that's what they oversee all day long every day. You guys, you know, I don't want to get off of the conspiracy thing here, but you guys, you've been told about, oh, you know, the one, what do they call it? The uh, New World Order and One World Government and all that stuff. And, oh, it's coming, blah, blah, blah. What are you talking about? It's been here for decades. It's been here for decades. It's called Maritime Admiralty Law and the Uniform Commercial Code. That is the law that regulates the entire financial system, contractual system on the entire planet. And you too. So you don't have to worry about one world government. It's already here and has been for a long time. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff that they, they, they're constantly pounding away on because it's already all here and it has been. Forever, for as long as most of you guys have been alive. So if you're in a scenario where you're being foreclosed on, you need to understand how the law actually functions and operates so you can raise the proper arguments in court because people do win on this stuff. Okay, You get in front of an honest judge that will actually follow the law, and they're few and far between, but they do exist. You can win, but you have to know what you're doing, and you have to understand how things actually function.
Okay? So hopefully that helps clear up a lot of the mysteries surrounding mortgages, how they actually function and operate. When you tell me, you know, they never lent you any money. Why? Why? Because there is no money in existence, number one. Number two, you never had legal possession of the funds, which you have to have. Under the law, you have to have possession of the funds for there to be a loan, and you never got that. Okay? What they did is a paper shuffle, right? The paper shuffle. You never got possession. It was your money that you created anyway, but they didn't tell you that. That's where, again, we talk about fraud in the inducement, fraud in the factum. Okay? Conspiracy, collusion, all of these things that, that these guys do all day, every day, but they're not telling you about. Okay? And the only way that you're going to protect yourself from this stuff is, number one, education and knowledge to understand what's actually happening. And number two, in the event that something happens, you have to have uh, the ability to defend yourself. Because most attorneys aren't going to tell you this stuff. Why are they not going to tell you? Number one, because they don't know it. Most of them. And number two, even if they do know it, they're officers of the court, not working for you. Okay? They've got the bona fide conflict of interest with you. You guys have heard the stuff on Corpus Juris Secundum. You need to understand that stuff and how it actually functions. That's why I don't let them represent me in any type of civil litigation because they don't work for me. Okay? So hopefully, like I said, hopefully that, that will help clear up some stuff. If you guys have questions on any of this stuff, hit me up in the Facebook group. I'll be happy to answer it. Um, or you can go on the website at virtualrealestateinvestor.org and uh, there's a little thing on the right-hand side that you can leave a voicemail and I can include it in the next podcast episode. But you are the creator of the money, quote-unquote money, not really money, but money that you think is money. That was lent to you for your home. Okay? But they didn't tell you. They're not going to tell you. So understand what actually happened and what your rights actually are under the law. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. If you found any value in this podcast, please use our Give to Get method and take a moment to give us a five-star rating in iTunes and your favorite podcast service so we can keep giving you excellent episodes of real content you can use to profit today. 